December 14, 2022. It's a Watt for Pedro show.
Watt for Pedro Show. Happy Wednesday. Started off the show, John Coltrane doing giant steps, the alternate take. Actually, take eight. Way down the road there. Uh, Dreadful in the den after that. So tough. Live. And because of those Estonian software engineers with their Skype invention, I got with me. Brother Dreadful, welcome aboard. Ah, nice to see you, Mike. Well, kind of see you. It's audio <laughs> only. Yeah, it's audio only, but uh, it cuts down on the dropouts. I'm not trying to hide from you, Brother Dread. We got to thank Bill Nace for the connect. Yeah, Bill's, Bill, love Bill. And what he town, Brother Dread, what town are you talking to me from? I'm talking to you from Brattleboro, Vermont. Brattleboro? Yep. Yeah, all right. Ain't played there yet, but one day, one way. Yeah, there's not, you know, there's not a lot of places to play, especially nowadays. Uh, played Bur- nice, last spring, nice- I played Burlington. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, it was called Monkey Room or something. It was something downtown. It was a good gig. We had a good time. Uh-huh. MSSV. Yeah. Going to be out, by the way, Mike Baguetta is booking next tour, which is going to be a year from now. Well, it'll start September 5, actually 10 months. Uh-huh. It's going to be 61 gigs. In two loops. Wow. We're going to do an I-5 loop and then the rest country loop. Uh, we'll just wait for the Rockies. Anyway, enough about me. Brother Dredd, please bring your earliest musical recollection. Okay, my earliest musical recollection would be uh, connected to, actually connected to my mom. She sort of turned, she was the one who gave me the uh, intense love of music, I think. Um, when I was very, very young, we had a little 45 RPM record player. This is in the 50s. Um, my mom had a, a pile of records of all, all seven inches. Pile them up. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, but she wasn't, it wasn't rock and roll for her yet. She was, she was really into dance bands and stuff, and she loved to dance. And so a lot of these records were, you know, like Les, Les Elgard, Larry Elgard. Oh, I don't know. And there's some uh, cardboard EPs that were you know beautiful picture sleeves, pretty cool. But I was really into it. I would sit on the floor with it and um, play them one after the other, and uh, thought they were very cool. Now, this pad you grew up in was there musical instruments besides playing the record player? Did you play anything else? I didn't. My mom played piano. Did you uh, ever not- jump on that piano? What's that? Did you ever jump on that piano? No, I messed with it a little bit. She tried you to have to, Yeah, I'm going to ask you about the piano lesson experience because I've had people on this show as guests that almost quit music because of that experience. Right. I, she didn't do that to me. She did it to my sister. <laughs> I did not have to play the piano. Um, mercy, I never mercy, mercy, mercy. I wish I had now. But I know. Well, everybody says that, but in the moment, I think it depends on the teacher's technique or lack of. Right. She was pretty. Yeah, she was pretty straightforward. She was. She was very cool. She was really into, like, rhythm and, uh, well, like I said, dancing and stuff. She loved. She played. Actually, I had a cousin who was in a dance band who played saxophone, um, and she used to. We'd go over to their place, and she would jam with them. And they, actually, they came to our house a couple of times, and rehearsed in the basement. And uh, I was pretty impressed with wow, that too. Your pad was like a prac, prac pad. Yeah. Let me ask you this: At school, 
marching band, choir. Were you in shit like that? No. Okay. What about Never. the first record you bought with your own money there, Brother Dredd? Uh, I actually, it was uh, the Battle of New Orleans by Johnny Horton. Oh, I remember a, that. Picture Hi, yippee, 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 yippee. That's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, kind of a history lesson. D. Boom was into that too. Yeah. Now, now, what was the first gig you saw? Um, the first, oh, the first gig I saw. Where's that going this, here? I was like. I think it was my 14th birthday. I was a huge James Brown fan. And for my 14th birthday, my mom took me to, there was a supper club um, somewhere near us where, you know, you go in, you sit down, have dinner, and then you have a show. Well, we went to see James Brown. And this was like 64. Um, and he was just astounding. I still have yet to that, see That's That's famous Flames days. Um. No, it was the JBs. I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, JBs. The... So, did you see Bootsy? I guess. I mean, I I had no. You probably idea. saw Catfish for sure. His brother on rhythm guitar. Right now, when Brown. we were 14, me and D Boom were 14. We saw our first gig. It was T Rex. Wow. 1973 really? at the Long Beach Auditorium. Everybody says oh. that. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> says wow, you know, because I got to tell you, they weren't that big. Uh huh. Right. But, but right. looking back. Oh man, Mark Boland's hugest. <laughs> but they were huge in uh, England and stuff. But U.S. Right. only bang and gong. Okay, so what about the after school? Not graduating, but in the afternoon. Did you get into the bedroom band, basement band, garage band thing? Um. Yeah. Well, yeah. I actually I was in bands in high school. Um, oh, well, I asked you about that. Oh, just not the marching band. Oh, the, yeah, no, I'm talking about, now we're talking about rock bands now, right? You mean you had rock band classes? No, no, no. You're talking, oh, about, you friend, in, you're talking about friends at school. Friends at school, yeah. I, I In school, no, I was not involved in anything in school. Yeah. Like Capito. I was not an athlete by a long shot. Well, so, it's a, you don't have to be an athlete. Well, maybe you do, especially if it's a Winwood. Like, I'm trying to learn this baritone horn I got in the 80s on tour. Finally, I'm trying to learn it 40 years later. And, wow. man, a lot of head rushes with them. <laughs> you don't worry about that with the bass guitar. It's more about getting calluses on the finger. So, right. so you found some buddies at school, and then after school, in the afternoon, you guys got together and made some uh, bands. Yes, I was in a few bands back in, in the Tell me about the first one. Tell you about it? It was called the Colonials. Um, it was like four guitar players, a piano player, and a drummer, and I was the lead singer. Whoa! I never, I never played anything in these bands. I was just the singer. I always wanted, I, my dream ever since I was a little kid was to be a lead singer. Yeah. And so that's what I did. Well, it's like that when you saw Jim Brown, you know? Oh yeah. Can't stand it. He was like, <laughs> love the man, love the man. I remember when Say It Loud and Black and Proud came out. I was in Navy House. I just moved to Pedro here from Virginia, and big uh, birthday party at one of uh, our buddies' pads. You know, because all our pops were in Vietnam, right? They're sailors, and, right? And I right. remember, and uh, man, and what a groove! That's groove. So, so your lead singer, the Colonials. Oh, now, what kind of material did Colonials play? 
Uh, we mo- we actually mostly played all stones and birds. We so were, you're, you're copying songs off records like me and Dean. Oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. We sort of had it towards the end of it. We sort of started trying to write stuff. But well, never t- tell me about the the Colonials ever do a gig? Oh yeah. Tell me about that first Colonials gig. <laughs> the first gig was in a place called the Morristown Grange, and uh, people, great. Let me tell the listeners, granges were like unions for farmers, so it's like a yep. union hall. Yeah. And yep, and it was uh, their hall, and I don't know how we got into it. Some friend of ours was connected to the group that was using the uh, that was using it for some event. I don't know, and he got us in there, and it was and. Sort of interestingly, with what I've done since then, um, we actually didn't really rehearse very much. We They had played together a bunch, and I had sort of said, they said they were looking for a lead singer, and I said, oh, yeah, I could, I'd do that. And so I knew all the songs. So we, we went in, and we played this show. Um, and it, I'm sure it must have been horrible. It just must have been horrible. But, but in and, your mind, do you think it was a success? Because this is the first time you worked a room, right? Right. It was the first time. Well, I I don't think I was totally blown by it. It was like, it was too messy. But they didn't throw was, shit, and you didn't get lynched. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so it's a yeah. success. Look, you gave me this too, not the same. Some more live dread fool in the dick. This is not the same.
I want my pancakes with petroleum jelly and goober peas and sweetie peas. <laughs>
things when we get mad. We who sold our soul for nothing. Glorious waste of time.
I do believe the temperature in the WERS studios has gone up about 50 degrees. Big thanks to Dreadful and the Din for coming down and making this Sunday not just another performance, but an event. Chuck and Music start off with Dreadful and the Din. Not the same. After that, my buddy Spot and Spoigen, I think this is recorded during his stay in Austin, Over the Waterfall, Blind Man's Dance. He can play, he calls it the Fedola. You know, it's a viola, but you play it on the arm, so you have to. Okay. Hidden Forces Trio from Spain with Raul Cantizano, and it features Watt. They had Watt do some spiel over their tune here. We who sold our soul for nothing. They even wrote the uh, spiel for me. Uh, Raul, pretty good with the uh, Anglais. Uh, Orthodox, this is the bass man, uh, Marco Sorato, great bass man for Hidden Forces Trio. He's got his own band called Orthodox, brand new. Rabid God is his tune. Rob Dobbinspeck after that with Redonculus, a little pun rock there. Uh, Weird Nightmare, brand new. Thank you, Mr. Dave Newgarden. So far gone. I remember when he used to manage just one dude, Mr. Pollard. Now he's got a little stable. Horace Andy after that, half of uh, Baltimore's Mold Omen with My Guiding Star. Checking out guitar after what I've heard is a lifetime of keyboard. Muskeg Mudsuck. This is brand new from uh, Anchorage, Alaska. Much respect. Dreadful in the Din, finally. Some more live. I got a right. Right? Way I choose. Okay, Brother Dread, let's pick up. What happens with the Colonials? Uh, they ended up breaking up. Um, we had a piano player and he could only play, you know, he didn't have an electric piano. So we had to play somewhere where there was a piano. So uh, he had to go. Yeah, I got Let me tell the listeners. People, in the 70s, you don't know how much a fucking electric keyboard cost. Like me and Dee Boone didn't know one fucker and Pedro played them. They cost, you know, you could get a Tesco or Melody Plus uh, at the pawn shop guitar, you know, for 15 Dallas, but it wasn't that way with keyboards, man. That no. that was a whole different thing. I remember the Univox was the first one, and it could do clavinet, harpsichord, or piano. I mean, the the organ thing even took a while, let alone synthesizer. And we got to thank uh, the Casio, whoever that was, Roland or something, because that was made things econo and approachable. Okay, right. so the piano player leads to the demise of the Colonial. So where do you go musically after that? Um. Uh, a, a new band, same drummer and I stayed together and we got, and one of the guitar players stayed and we got a new guitar player who was quite good. Um, and that was the Nobles. And what was the first Noble gig like? The first Noble gig was, um, it was a gig in a hall that we played with a bunch of other bands. Um, totally like, strangers i had no idea who was there there was a lot of people there they were they were kind of into what we were doing but in those days you could almost play anything well tell me what kind of material did nobles do covers like uh colonials yeah same stones birds sure sure good stuff good stuff but not your stuff (laughs) because you're still working on that right you said you were trying to with colonials so what happens with and was that gig even though it's a bunch playing from a bunch of strangers, which is like fucking life on tour, right? Was exactly. it a success? Was it a success? Uh, 
yeah, kind of. It, not really. It, we weren't that good. I mean, we just weren't good. And uh, sometimes anyway, it can be a success, and you're not that good. <laughs> That's what I've learned. Yeah, yeah. Let the the gig goers get to decide. So if they didn't throw shit, you didn't get lynched. Maybe it was a success. Well, then it was a success. Okay, okay. But in minor, I mean, it wasn't and, in my mind. Now, how, how 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 long did the nobles go? What happened to them? They went for a while, and then they broke up completely. It was like um, we weren't getting along, especially one of the guitar players was being very obstinate. Was it the guy that was good? Yeah, he was good. Yeah, see, that's a problem sometimes. (laughs) Now, what what happens to you musically, Brother Dredd, after the Nobles? And then... Finally, the Notions. It was the last band I was in in high school. Okay. What are Notions like? What's the difference? Same drummer? Same drummer. Yes. um, Same one of the guitar players. And then a new guitar player who was really something. He was a hot shot. He was was older than we were. He had had pretty long hair. And in those days, that was not good in in the town. I mean, I grew up in this small conservative town. Um, They probably all got long hair now, but still wear nice yeah, Oh, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, he, he right. joined the band, and he, he was kind of, um, he was a known sort of bad guy in the town. He had, like, been left back a couple times in school, which was something they don't do anymore either. Okay. But he, he was, like, you know, kept back twice, I think, in school, and then he quit school. And what was the first Notions gig like? Um, the, the only gig we ended up playing, oh no, there were two, but the, the big gig was we played a talent show at the high school Okay. Um, with a bunch of other bands. Now this is in front of your peers. In front of our peers. And, uh. Um, Those are sometimes the biggest pants shitters I've found. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, and actually to answer your next question, it was successful. We, we ah, did great. well. I was doing... At that point, I was like doing splits on stage and yes. stuff like that, and people got into that, and so we got to, you know. Now, we, now, we now, now why, why did it only last two gigs? Uh, because he, the new guitar player, was sort of undependable, and he ended up like splitting and going to California. He actually ended up in the Hell's Angels. Oh damn! Uh, I saw him years later, and he as he came back, and he was like, you know, in the club, and yeah. Oops. that's where he went. I, okay. And from there, I don't know. That was the now. Last now you, you you you're done with high school. So when do you do? Uh, what's the next music? Do you take music in uh, college and stuff like this? I didn't take music, no. But I, um, I had a girlfriend, the woman that I was was hanging around with, was a, was a musician. She played mostly piano. Um, and she started teaching piano stuff, and then she got a guitar and figured that out, and then she taught me the guitar, and that's kind of where that ended up. So I started playing guitar, which ah. I could use to write with. Okay, okay. Because so, before that, now now you're really getting into the songwriting, right? Because you got some music yeah. to go with the words. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. I'm trying. But, but we got to give this lady some credit. What's her name? Lisa. Okay, thank you, Lisa, for fucking getting Brother Dread going on his own thing. <laughs> she okay. did, yeah. She. I ended up spending a lot of time, you know, just banging away at the guitar. So what, do you end up like singer-songwriter? Uh, 
Well, not right away. No, actually, I was. I used to. We used to like throw bands together. At so, school. like, we you guys would get, be the core. Her on piano and you on guitar. Uh, no, she never played with us. Actually, oh, I, oh okay. I, there were these other people who, who had. There were all kinds of little bands around. I mean, everybody yeah. was trying to be in a band, and everybody was playing. So we would That's get great. together for a party or just before the afternoon and play. I remember snowstorms. We would we would drag the equipment down and you know hang in the house and play music all day. And people would come by and they would dance and you know it was it was the sixties. That's great. That's great. You let the freak flag fly. It, yeah. it was fun, but I wasn't very good. It don't matter. You're the soundtrack to their lives at that moment there, Brother Dread. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, so that was, now, that let was me ask you this. Did you have a tape recorder? Were you recording some of your own compositions at this time? No. No. We had no tape recorder. So when you no. came up with a song, like if you either remembered it or it was fucking gone. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, 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 went, I went through that stage. I went through that stage. And those babies are gone. Hasta la vista. No, no fucking hasta la vista. It's fiend. You always think you're going to remember them. Yeah. Right. The the shadow or whatever. The, the dust. Whatever was left from that fucking thing. So, Lies in the air. So what's the next sea change in music for you, Brother Dre? Well, the next, the next thing is I ended up... Um, moving to the Boston area to um, for another young lady named Pat, who you're vaguely familiar with. <laughs> um, A little bit. <laughs> and yeah, people, I, I got to tell the listeners, well, I got a little confused with some identity issues. But, <laughs> but I'm learning. I'm a slow learner, but, I, you know, I ain't impossible. <laughs> so, so much apologies to Brother Dan, no, no, sister no. fucking no problems. Yeah, Pat. But anyway, I moved up here and we yeah. start. I started. Um, oh shit! You know what? You know, time. before you get going on this, brother Dread, I gotta tell you, we're at the end of the first hour of the seven fourteen twenty twenty two edition of the Watt from P Rose Show. Special guest, Dread Fool. Hold tight for hour two. December 14, 2022. It's the second hour of the Watch for Pedro show.
you really something special, something special, don't you know it? Got the world tied down your fingers, down your fingers, don't you know it? First you really something special, something special, don't you know it? When you've got this kind of talent, it's a crime not to just show it.
Pedro show start off the second hour. Dreadful in the den, the paralyzed. Then from the almighty op, without his puppets, but you got his sound. We don't have to like them. SLW Bob Buckle Jr. out of Iowa with something special. Gabby Don, he's got the bass player from the old middle class Orange County, Mike Patton. Not that Mike Patton, but the one I had to go way back. In fact, he produced about 15-minute men songs. They're like on Joy EP, Politics Time, Bean Spill EP. He's living in Athens, Georgia now. He's got a new project called Gebedon. But he used to be with three Atta brothers in the middle class. Used to see him with the germs and stuff. Great band. Great band. Mike Patton, great kid. And then finally, Dread Fool. That's when I reached for my revolver. And I recognize this title, speaking of Boston. And I remember first playing... Uh, the Channel Club with Husker Du, and who shows up at the gig? Brother Roger Miller. So, we were there, too. You were there, too. Okay. Because yeah. Channel only let punk bands people play on Sunday afternoons because they would have a, a hard, a heavy metal band play at nighttime. And this was Sundays only. And so there was weird laws. Uh, New Hampshire was making all the money on beer. But Andrew there, so Southie, Andrew, he would make sure that you got some beers when you were done. I think the place ends up burning down later, mysteriously not. Yeah, it's gone now. Yeah. But Husker Du and, and, and Gang Reed opened up the show. They only got one song out. They had a big Budweiser banner behind them, and uh, Mr. Dougherty lost to Budweiser because one tune he was barracho and on the deck puking. Okay, continue. So you moved to Boston now, and, and you're doing music. How? Uh, it's just playing in, in my uh, apartment, playing solo. Um, I got an electric Now, now I got to say, Boston's not a little town. There's billions of bands, buttloads of clubs, all kinds of shit happening, right? Oh, yeah. But I, did, I, I took a while to get there. I mean, it was like towards – I started to get um, an idea something was going on. I remember reading an article in the Boston Phoenix, which was a weekly entertainment. Yeah, I remember the Phoenix, yep. Yeah, and about Willie Alexander. Oh, yeah. Mass Ave and Kerouac as a single, and I, I was really intrigued. I had no idea that people did their own singles and stuff. Yeah, and yeah, it, that's the same thing with us. Because I've got to tell the listeners, coming from Arena Rock, there was a whole club thing and little label shit in the 60s. I learned from the help of the Stooges 125 months. But you got to understand, people, for me and Brother Dread, we're in this area where, like, clubs... It was just arena rock, so we didn't know about this kind of culture. 
Go on. Especially um, pre. Before, this is like. Yeah, because Willie Alexander's so, kind of in between. He's kind of straddling the world. Yeah. Yeah. He was. Um, well, he had started. He was in the Lost in the 60s, which was sort of Boston's. By reputation, I never saw them. Boston's Rolling Stones compared to the remains. No, there of- was buttloads of garage bands. There was even a band called the Minutemen in Boston. I mean, the, the 60s. Really? There was oh, a really? huge, yeah, there was a huge indie scene in the 60s. It just got all forgot with the Arena Rock, uh, Nuremberg right. rally shit of the 70s, yeah. But Willie sort of kept it going through, right. I mean, I think it was him who really kept the scene together and... Um, there was a, also a violin player, John uh, Liberty Valance, who shot Valley. He did a thing. There was a couple dudes in Boston like that, bring it kind of straddling uh, both right. worlds. Yeah. There was Third Rail. There was um, DMZ, uh, Scruffy the DMZ. Cat. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. But um, well, actually, this is before that. Before I know, DMZ. I know, but but there's like kind of an interim period. Yeah. Yeah, and Boston, it there wasn't a lot of places to play, but they kept finding places. And of course, the Rat was like the big thing to start with. I mean, every, you know, he'd let people come in and play that you know weren't playing um, radio songs, and it, that was a big deal, as you know, in those days. I mean, in most clubs, you had to play, you know, popular stuff from the radio. The where hence the word uh, top forty. Right. And ba- right. basically, right. it's karaoke machine shit. You know, it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> Look, you gave me this song to the siren. This is dreadful, oh, yeah. but without the din, people. Oh, 
Touch me not, touch me not, come back tomorrow. Oh my heart, oh my heart, shines from the sun.
for Pedro show that chunk of music start off with dreadful it says live so oh, okay. you by yourself song to the siren we're trying to evaluate because obviously uh, brother dread didn't send me his own music somebody I think it was one of those other identities uh, Pat or Dan or, <laughs> oops <laughs> you know, hammered holes after that we had Alec McKay on a couple weeks ago and sound into the sea Mark Cisneros and everything else Mike Molnar Fuller's Moon, Ray Shin out of Reno with Dead Incorporated. And finally, turn, turn, turn. Dread Fool. Think of Turtles, people. Flo and Eddie. Uh, okay, go on, go on. So, so so you're checking out this emerging fucking club scene in Boston. Yeah. And I got Willie Single. I got, I actually sent away, I saw, I used to read Rock Scene magazine. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, that, I remember. But. And I used, so I was aware of all the New York bands, although I didn't, you know, we didn't hear them or anything. They didn't have records at the time. And then television put out that seven inch, Little Johnny Jewel. Yeah, I remember that. Two parts, A side, B side. And they came and played in Boston um, in this huge, uh, used to be a car dealership, I think, and they emptied it out. It was this huge empty warehouse and they, the sound was awful. Like a roller rink. <laughs> oh man, yeah, it was terrible. But anyway, opening for them Swimming was Nikki Nikki Clean in the Mez, which is another Ah, Nikki Clean, okay. And Willie Alexander joined them for a couple songs. Sure, sure. Okay. And that was the first time I saw him and he was just like brilliant. Yeah, he's buddy. was brilliant. I couldn't hear the vocals, but the guitar work was obviously great. You gotta think in your mind, Patty Smith. <laughs> yeah, well Patty I think Smith that was, was his girlfriend at the time. It right. Was, it was right after Al Lanier. I don't know if you were in the Blue Esther cult. Okay, yeah. so what do you yeah. do musically? Are you inspired by this, seeing all this, hearing all this? Oh, yeah, definitely inspired. Um, we started to get involved. We were going to all the clubs. Um, we used to see the real kids a lot in a place called Cantones with tiny little restaurant place. 
Um, they would play every Saturday night and all the girls from the North shore would come down and dance and go crazy. And it was pretty nuts. Um, stuff like that before. And then the punk, Oh, and the, the, there was a huge, uh, huge to us. It was, um, we got to see the, uh, the first Boston rock and roll, um, contest. I don't forget what they called it, but, um, and it was all the band, a lot of the bands that had been going up until that point, like in between the cracks. And then there was a couple new bands, but it was, you know, Willie, Willie Alexander ended up winning that, the battle of the bands and, uh, saw the inflictors and, um, baby's arm. And I don't know, there was all kinds. Well, of what do you do musically? Well, I'm still, um, man alone. I'm still playing alone and, um, running into people. And, and then I started doing tapes. I guess that's the next. Ah, so you do get a recorder. Okay. Yeah. I got a, um, a Sony tape deck and I started taping stuff and I had a friend, a guy that we knew who was, um, writing for Boston rock and he did a column and I sent him a tape and uh, he totally went crazy. He thought it was, it was really wild, really weird, of course. And uh, so he put together this, this, uh, it was a birthday present for me. He took me into the studio with Mission of Burma. Mission of Burma were friends of ours. We had actually met Clinton Roger when they were in an earlier band. And uh, so when they started, um, we started going to see them, and we were really into them, but they were great. And he got them to come in the studio with me for this uh, birthday present, and we recorded five songs. Whoa, and that's they, a great fucking present. And <laughs> 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 it's a great present. Yeah. Um, and the thing is that they had no idea. They didn't even know I was playing music, and they had never heard any of the songs. And they didn't even know what I could do or couldn't do. And we just went in and I sort of showed them the basic structure. And then we just went and we recorded like the first take every time but once, I think. And it came out quite good. And that's, and that's where the first single was taken from. So tough and sanctuary. Okay. On religious records was taken from that session. Whoa. Okay. And what year was this? um 82, 82. february of 82 wow something, and... else, something else look i gotta cut you off brother drake because we're at the end of the second hour <laughs> of the december 14 2022 edition of the wap for pedro show with special guest dread fool hold tight fire three december 14 2022 it's the third hour of the wap for pedro show Thank you. 
Watch for Pedro's show start off the third hour with Dread Food and Freedom. And we had If Bawana, Brother Al Margolis out of Chester, New York with the Norton Variations number two for alto saxophone and contra alto clarinet. And finally, Dreadful in the Din, Ghost Rider. Okay, what happens after that first single comes out? Um, first single came out, and um, I was I was doing actually working at a record store with a guy who had a band um, called Way Out West. And they would play a set, and then I would come out and play three songs with them. And we would do two songs from the single and um, I Want to Be Your Dog. Stooges. And, um, I did that for a while, and it worked for them because people were – because the single was actually kind of big on the Boston radio, uh, you know, the local college stations. So it brought people in for them, and then – to one of those shows, uh, I think it was Roger and Clint showed up and they saw the show and they, they decided that they wanted to be part of it. All so right. the Din got together and was jo- and we, um, Gerard, Gerard Cosloy was putting on a, a benefit for the Neats. Their house had burned down. Oh. And, um, it, actually, it started out, it was going to be, I think it was going to be a, an all-day hardcore show or something. And then this Neat's house burned down, and he decided to do his benefit. And he asked us if we would do it. So we we all said yes, absolutely. So we that was our first gig. Um, the only gig I ever played with just that lineup um, was the four guys from Burma and me. And that was and, a benefit and, that Gerard Cosley put on. And people, he's a boss of Homestead, put out the first dinosaur record. Look, you know, at the beginning of the show, I said, we got to give credit to Bill Nace. You gave me this piece, or I got this piece of music with Bill Nace and you playing together with a cat named Steve Bukowski, Chris Corsano, the drummer man. He's been on this show, beautiful cat. And Paul yeah. Flaherty. Now, what's your connect with Bill Nace? How did you meet this man? <laughs> um, I met well, I met Bill through Chris. Actually, Chris is um, an old old friend. Um, Incredible drummer way, man. Beautiful. We go way back. He uh, was Byron. beautiful spirit too. What's that? Beautiful spirit. I just love talking with that man. Oh yeah, he's he's one of the great human beings. Yeah, um, where's he at? Uh, Ithaca, right? Ithaca. Yeah, he's yeah. now he's living in Ithaca, and man, there's not a better percussionist around i don't think he's yeah, amazing he really is he really is people he's beautiful um but anyway he was and he um he and i were friends and and he actually helped me record my first record for um ecstatic yacht and byron coley people byron coley people and um so any, anyway through him i met bill and we and those guys, Bill and he and Steve Trusinski, who actually also recorded that first record, um, they worked out this suicide thing. We were they were gonna they do it for Halloween. We were gonna do suicide. They we're uh, talking about the band people. Yeah. Alan Vega, uh, Martin Rev. We're not talking about the the verb. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Right. We're talking about the band folks. Um 
But look, let, 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 I want to play this piece so people know what's going on, and then we'll talk more, okay? okay?
Watt for Pedro, last music for this edition. Start that chunk off. Dreadful and Bed Chasdy with Four Roses for Jack. I guess instead of a. Yeah, because it's got to come from Kentucky to be bourbon, right? So it's sip of Tennessee whiskey, Jack. Uh, Tim Holhouse after that with Judy. And then, like I was saying before, Dreadful with Steve Bukowski, Chris Cusano, Paul Flaherty, Bill Nace. And I guess these are, are area codes, maybe? 413-860-716, name of the tune. Yep. Enlighten us, please, Brother Dredd. About this record? Whatever you like to. Well, well <laughs> th- th- that piece of music, yeah, because this has got to connect with Bill Nace. So you end up playing with the guy. Well, I, they, Chris and Bill and Steve Trudzinski worked out this thing Um using just basses and uh, bass drums and bass guitars. Um, yeah. And they, we did Suicide that way. I just sang and they did that. And that was eventually put out by Feeding Tube, actually. Um, by and, Rick Coley. Um, and, and, so and, and, and then he's got a partner, uh, too, named Ted, right? Oh, yeah, Ted Lee. You mean Byron? Yeah. Yeah, because you said feeding tube. Yeah, yep, feeding tube. Ted Lee and Byron Coley. Yeah, the uh, the Spielgusher album they put out. They put out the vinyl version. Uh huh. Good, good cats. Good cats. Petty bone artwork. Okay, okay. Uh, t- tell me about this uh, Ben Chaz- Chasdy. Okay, Ben is um, six organs of admittance, as most folks would know. Um, oh yeah. Okay. He and I had talked about doing something together for years, and we finally got together and spent one day in the studio and pretty much did everything in a first take again. I mean, that's kind of how I work. We, that's um, bitching. What are you doing right now? Uh, right now, I'm just playing in the house. <laughs> so you got, you not, got, you got, you got no recording projects lined up? You got no gigs lined up? Uh, no gigs, no recording. The big thing I'm working on now is this Corbett versus Dempsey series of Dreadful on the Din, which is um, it's going to be four releases. Um, the first one's out. Some of the stuff is on your list there. Um, the first one is 82, and then there's 83, and then there's 85, 86, I think. And then there's going to be the fourth one's going to be uh, in between, like the transition from my rock years to uh, what I did later, which is more experimental and more weird and non-rock. <laughs> so there you go. That's where you are right now. <laughs> That's where I am right now. I haven't been playing out because of the pandemic. Right, 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 right. Everything yeah, on hold for the situation. And 30 years, that's quite a gap. But you say that you're going you're gonna to put out some stuff that uh, kind of tells about that gap? Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's all the stuff that the band, the, the uh, there were two basic dead, dreadful on the dens. One was the mission of Burma, right? And then the second one was, uh, and then Kenny Chambers from Moving Targets joined that band. And then when Mission of Burma broke up, we still played together a few times. But then Peter wanted to keep doing it, and he said, "How about?" And he had 
formed the Volcano Sons, and he said, well, how about we use the Volcano Sons? And so we did. That became but the there band. But there was many versions of the Volcano Sons. <laughs> oh, this was the first. Uh, no, actually the second one. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, Although because, I, right, he went through like three or four, I mean, like completely different guitar and drummers. and I mean, yep. not drummers, bass players. Bob, yep. Bob Weston was one for a while. Bob Weston was one. I actually, I I did one gig with Bob Weston as the. Part I think of the maybe, maybe Bob Fay was one. I mean, there was a lot of cats who went through the volcano sons. Uh, no, not Bob Fay. Um, who am I thinking of? What 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 are those cats? Well, I'm uh, trying to think. There. Well, the the original one was Steve Mitchner and Gary. Wallachek or something who ended up being a big dipper. Oh, that's right. That's right. Well, it's hard. For, my memory's first. terrible. Brother Dredd, don't count on Watt's memory. It's terrible. So, <laughs> what, what you're doing right now is mainly man alone stuff, composing and recording? Um, I'm, I haven't been composing or recording at all lately. No, but um, that plan is to, to pick up on this. What's it called? The Dempsey series? Corbett versus Dempsey. It's a Chicago label. Okay. Um, they mostly release rare and impossible to find rare jazz records, and they took this. They took us on to do this one. Um, I'll tell you, a rare. I wish I, to. a jazz recording. I wish they'd find is fucking West Montgomery with John Coltrane at the Monterey Jazz Festival. No one has Ooh. a record to that motherfucker. He asked him to join the band. He said, "No, your music's too far out." But, but anyway. Uh, I'm really curious. I can't wait. No, no, because nobody knows about if there ever was a recording made, but that's one of the most desirable ones if there was. Wow. But what what I'm going to ask you is, will you please come on the show when you get this next thing released so we can play it and talk about it? Because I'm curious as hell. I want to hear it. Well, you've heard some of it. Okay. Some of those songs on that on your list there are from the uh, original one okay yeah but I'm, i i want to hear the the contemporary stuff too when you get it done okay so this is oh, a, okay. what i'm giving you right here brother dread is an invite for another appearance on what Pedro show wow i will definitely do that ah, big love big love thank you so much also the fucking thank your, you your uh helper people uh dan and pat People, it's been the December 14, 2022 Dishwat Peter, so keep your powder dry.